Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the We're Having a Good Time podcast. I'm Dusty Slay. I'm your host, and I'm here with my wife and co-host, Hannah Hogan. Hey, Dusty. Hey. Hey. Well, welcome, Hannah. Oh. It's, uh, here we are on a Thursday morning, not too early. Uh, Our son is napping, daughter watching a little of the Finger Family uh, TV show that... She can't seem to get enough of. It's a song where they go, Daddy Finger, Daddy Finger, where are you? Here, here I, I am, am. Here I am. How do you do? Yeah. And then they, you know, they'll do that throughout the whole family. Every family has five children or five members. They have a mom, a dad, a, a, a brother, a sister, and a baby. We don't know what the baby is. And... um you know, and that's what they do, and they'll do that, and they'll do it, you know, with, say, a lion family, and then a, a monkey family, and then a French family, or, you know, some go all the nationalities of the world it'll do, and then you hear it in their language. The possibilities with the finger family are endless. And she can't get enough of it. Mm. No matter what, we sing it in the car. Mm. I'm into it. She has Sesame Street finger family that she carries around. She has her own little purse just for the finger family. She wants to take it with her uh, at night to bed. She doesn't play with them in bed. She just keeps them in her purse. And then when she gets up in the morning, she must bring the finger family down with her. And uh, it's the cutest thing in the world. Yeah. She loves the finger family. Yeah. We have Big Bird. We have... uh, 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 Elmo. We have well, one is called Abby Cadabra, but we didn't know what her name was when we f- first got the Finger Family, so we called her Mixie, and then that's what we continue to call her. Because once I realized what her name was, it was some weird magic thing. I was like, Nah, I don't think so. We're gonna keep calling you Mixie, and then we have uh, 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 uh Cookie Monster, and then uh, which we call Grouchy the Grouch. And uh, honestly, that's my favorite name for him ever. Uh, So that's what we got going on. Oh, and then we have Elmo's mom. We have two Elmo's and then an Elmo's mom, which I'm not sure really is Elmo's mom, but she's been in the picture. She's been been raising him, but I don't know if it's really his mom. It could be his grandma. Yeah, it's tough to say. We think it's his grandma. We have a book where it has Elmo's mom, and there's a lot of similarities between the two, but in the book, she has hair on the top of her head, kind of a different colored hair. And then on the, on the finger family, she doesn't have the hair. So I've got some questions. I'd like to know what's going on with the finger family. But hey, here we are. We're excited. We're pumped to be here. We're a week out. My special has been out for over a week now and remains in the top 10 overall on Netflix. Congratulations. Thank you. Very exciting. It is, uh, it, it reached number two. It peaked at number two. And now it's working its way down, but it's still in the top 10 for over a week. And I'm told by, by people that, you know, it's top 10 overall with TV shows, meaning that 
you know, you know, let's say I don't even know a show on Netflix, uh, but well, Young Sheldon is ranked right below it, which makes me feel good that uh, just a, uh, I guess that is a very popular sitcom, Young Sheldon, and I, I want to make fun of it, but it is actually very popular, and uh, so. They have multiple seasons. So if you're binging Young Sheldon and watching it every day and going through multiple episodes, each of those watches goes towards a watch for the show overall. Meanwhile, my special is just one hour. So that means lots of people have to be watching it for it to stay in that spot, which is exciting. I'm glad. Thank you for watching. Thank you for yes. sharing. Thanks for talking about it. Well, yes, thank you. And it is people talking about it, sharing it, telling their friends that keeps it there. But also, uh, you know, I think it's relatable. It's regular comedy. It's not dirty. But, you know, it's not. I also think it's not too clean, right? Like people that like dirty comedy can enjoy it, but it's also not filthy. You can watch it with your parents and uh, or if you're an older parent, you can watch it with your kids. I don't recommend it for young kids, but I think even Netflix recommends 14 and up. I think Netflix is like, listen, by 14, you probably smoked weed this day and age. Um or you're on TikTok, so you know more things than what I'm talking about on this special. So it's very exciting. I'm pumped about it. Great. You should be. It's very exciting. And we did take some notes, so we have some things to talk about. Yeah, um, there's a lot going on this week. Yeah. I got a message from Opelika from a library the other day, the public library in Opelika, I don't even know how to properly say library, library. I don't know how to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, wanting me to speak at some kind of writer's thing that they do. It's people that write books, but they, they're talking about my writing being a short form writing. And I think that's great. I'd like to do it if I'm able to, but I just think it's hilarious that the library would want me to speak. Not that I don't think I've earned it, but I just look back at my life and think about what I used to do when I was in Opelika and how if you had said that to me while I was still living in Opelika or even any of my friends, hey, the library wants you to come speak. It would have been a real laugh out loud moment for us. Yeah. And if you have a hard time pronouncing library, you might assume you don't do a lot of reading. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I mean, and they were like, uh, yeah, it's like I used to go to the library, you know, when I was growing up, I'm not all old here, but when I was growing up, the Internet didn't exist. So when I wanted to, when I had to write a paper, I would have to go down to the library and check out books or photocopy pages of the books while I was in there and then go home and figure out how to properly pl plagiarize, you know. How can I read what they've written and scramble those words up in a different way to put them on my paper? Yeah, I think the use of libraries in society has changed, most especially since the Internet, because before, just as you said, people would need to go to the library to research things, to retrieve and borrow books. And now it's become, in my experience, somewhat of a daycare for various members of society who have time to spend time during the day, whether it's children or different kinds of adults. 
Yeah. And, you know, my friend Alec Parent was living in a van for a long time. So Alec would go and spend time in libraries in various cities. He would just go, you know, sit there. He would read. He would use the Internet. And he would just, you know, spend time in probably like air conditioner or a heated building. Mm. He said he was in a library in a city. And this was sort of during COVID, but like we're on the outskirts of it. And he said he was upstairs on a giant floor completely alone, not another soul in there. And he was not wearing a mask. And someone came down from the front desk on the first floor. They came up a flight of stairs, walked all the way across this vast, empty room up to Alec to tell him to put a mask on. Mm. And I just thought that's so funny. It's like, if we believe the things, which they're even saying now that social distancing was not based in science, and I think they've admitted that to mask. Bill Gates is even out here going, uh, I never said anything about mask. And I've seen plenty of videos where it's like Bill Gates going, I never said anything about mask. And then they're showing the previous years where he's like, you better wear a mask. You better wear a mask. Um, so now everybody's backtracking on it. But it's like even if 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 we are buying the social distancing thing, um, you're you're coming closest to spreading COVID by coming close to me to say, put a mask on. Right. But you know, if this is during, you know, peak COVID years, we'll say 2020 to 2022, uh, you know, the government, uh, the library is a government facility, is it not? So I it's, it's going to yeah. be pushing those government, um, you know, ethics. Pretty asinine, though, I would say. Sure. Um, so, but anyway, point being, the only place we know that's still requiring masks is one little record shop in downtown Opelika. <laughs> Bless their heart. Bless their heart. I actually have come full circle and respect them for sticking to it. If anything, you can say that. I mean, they, they're like, they're like, listen, we've always believed this and we still believe it. Okay. Mm -hmm. So don't mess with us. But I do think it's hilarious. It's like records have, have come back in popularity to some degree, but I just got to imagine that's hurting business. It's hurt. I probably would have, I mean, I, I got to open like a, you know, once or twice a year. And every time at this point, I drive by the record shop just to see what's going on with it. But I remember the first time I saw it, I thought, oh, a record shop in Opelika. That's awesome. I want to go browse around in there. But there was a mass mandate. And I was like, well, uh, I travel the whole country at this point, And there, I'm not seeing any mass mandates anywhere. I'm not going to do it for this record shop. And then I'm like, I would have bought records. A lot of times I go into a record store, and even if I'm not planning on buying anything, I end up feeling guilty because I've browsed for a while, and I'll buy one or two records just, you know, so I haven't wasted everyone's time. Mm -hmm. So Now, Dusty, just to circle back to the library yes. invitation, the library invitation, um, what will you say about short-form writing? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think that uh, my big thing that I always talk to other comics about, especially new comics, is uh, something I've heard this term before, but I use it, I think, more than anyone, probably more than the person I heard it from the first time, is word economy. Mm. And it's just not, I mean, I'm a talker. So when I'm doing podcasts and things like that, I mean, that's not getting considered. 
I'm just talking. But with stand-up, I do focus on it heavily. It's, it's the idea that every word matters. Don't use wasted words. Get to the point as fast as you can. I try to have laughs in my setups to jokes. And then obviously I try to have the punchline be a laugh. And then the lines thereafter, I try to tag the joke with more laughs. And it's like, I try to not have wasted words. And I think that is what I would talk about. I mean, depending on what you're writing, you know, if you're writing a song, if you're writing a poem, if you're writing a joke, or even telling a story, don't waste a lot of time. Don't meander around. If the story took place on a Wednesday and you accidentally say Tuesday, unless that has some bearing, uh, some like that day matters, then don't correct it. It doesn't matter. If you're like, we were driving to school on a Tuesday, and then you go, oh, wait, no, it was a Wednesday. Oh, was it? Maybe it was Thursday. It doesn't matter. Just say Tuesday. That's a great impression of me. <laughs> that's that's spot on. But you know what I mean, though. It's like uh, we get hung up in these details. I was sitting down. I was having a uh, a cherry pie, and then you're like, "No, no, I'm pretty sure it was apple pie." No, you know what? It was a banana pudding. It's like unless the pie matters to the story, then it doesn't matter if you get it right. You don't even have, I do enjoy specifics. So I, I, I do like the idea if you're telling a story, say you were eating a cherry pie as opposed to I was having a dessert. Right, because you still have to paint a picture. So the words are important to provide context to allow the listener to visualize, a reader, listener to visualize, but not so many details that it detracts from the storytelling. Right. Like if you're like, I was eating a cherry pie with a lemon meringue and it was served in a plastic container that I fumbled to open. It's like, do we need all that? Maybe, but chances are we don't. Right. Because then the rest of the story is like, and then my wife came in and says she's leaving me. And it's like, wait, what? None of those details mattered to this this plot twist. Right. Unless the story is... Was it because I couldn't get the container open? And she's like, yeah, you're always struggling to open containers, and I've had enough. I'm not hanging around with this Butterfingers. I need a man with some sand-like hands. I need a man that can get it open regardless if it's in the right place or not. Open the container. I'm trying to eat the pie. She said as she brushed her hair out of her eyes, and then a clump of hair fell out. And she revealed that she also had alopecia. And then a lot of that hair went into the pie. And the guy's like, actually, if this is going to be happening all the time, I'm not going to be picking hairs out. I would rather you leave. Right. And then they were able to settle the divorce pretty well. They went 50-50 with it. Yeah. So this will be just a little story that you can share at the library. But you know what? This is similar to a song that I heard the other day. Um it's, uh, I forget, Carl, um, I can't remember his last name, but he, uh, it's a song called I Found Someone of My Own. And it's talking about he's sitting down and his girl girlfriend or wife comes in and says, I got something to tell you. And he goes, well, let's hear it. 
And she says, I've, I'm leaving you. I found someone else. And she got real sad. She was crying. And he's like, hey, don't worry about it. I found someone of my own, Ooh. you know? And in the song, you wonder, did he really? Or is he just saying that to let her down easy? And that's what I think. Yeah, that's the relatable heart part of it. It's like, don't worry. I ain't hurt. Yeah. <sighs> And, you know, but that song is really great. He's got details. And then he says, I got up this morning and while I was having my cigarette, uh, you know, and it's like he's talking about, mm-hmm. you know, the morning he's drinking coffee, having a cigarette. His woman comes in, says she's leaving him. He's like, ah, it ain't not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Do you pay attention to other comics or we'll say writing that? when you notice it's good or when you notice it's bad and do you try to sort of integrate that or apply that to your own process? A little bit, but I think just the main thing that I focus on is the last word I say being the punchline. Yeah. Like I said, for a while, I have this joke about my, my mustache and my punchline is, uh, it was, my punchline was, and that's when I realized I wasn't washing my mustache well, right? Mm-hmm. But that, but the well at the end is not the punchline. So I reframed it to, that's when I realized I wasn't doing a good job washing my mustache. Hit. And that's where you want it to hit. So it's yes. like, it's important to end on the punchline. Yeah. You don't want to give them the joke and then still have extra words. Have you ever read Stephen King's On Writing? No. Oh, okay. We have that book. I have that book. Do we? Yeah, it's a great book just about um, the uh, what what it means to, to write well. Okay. And, um, you know, it's written by Stephen King. Right. Arguably, um, you know, the best or at least the best. I think he is the best writer because you can say he's not the best writer, but he writes books that are enticing and engaging that many people read, which means he is readable. You know, a lot of times I'll read something and I'll be like, I know they're trying to be a good writer, but they're using too many 50 cent words. They're getting too fancy with their sentences where they're trying to tell you I'm smart. I'm insightful. I got all this going on. But really, if you can just write simply so that the reader wants to go to the next sentence, the next sentence, the next sentence, that's good writing. Yeah. And I think that with comedy, too, it's like, don't be don't try to be too high minded with it. You know, just just, you know, it's like I never like to call my jokes smart. But what I try to do is have intelligent jokes, but in a way that's very simple. So we're not, you know what I mean? It's like everybody can get it. We're all in on the joke. We're all laughing together. But I am still able to talk about, you know, uh, you know, I am able to frame the joke in an intelligent way. Right. If that makes sense. I'm not trying to spoon feed it, but I'm also like not trying to, I don't know, keep the spoon away from you. Yeah, I mean, simplicity is is king. You have to speak to people in a way they understand. And you've told me this before. You should write the same way that you talk. 
you should sound when you're writing as if you're talking. Yeah. So if you're using all these crazy words in your writing, but you don't actually talk like that, you got no business using those words because there's no way it's going to sound natural, relatable, or understandable. Well, and that's why I like to write uh, on stage, uh, which I feel like you have to, at least for me, I had to work up to. I wasn't able to just start comedy by writing on stage, but I think now I've got enough material that I know works so I can tell a joke that I'm pretty sure is going to work. So I'll get a laugh there and then I go into a new joke that I'm working on. I have an idea of what I want to say, so I'm able to kind of flow with it. And I know my kind of speech pattern on stage. So I'm able to, to deliver it in joke form, even if it's not really hashed out. And then if that joke doesn't work, I go, we're having a good time. I give them a wave. And then I hit my next joke, which I have written in the set that I also feel like is a pretty good chance it's going to work. Mm-hmm. So that way, that middle joke, even if it doesn't work, I can, and I also film my set, so I can go back and watch it, but I try to just remember and go, all right, how did I tell this joke? Did it work? What part of it worked? And what part needs work? And then, so that's why it can be hard sometimes if you tell a joke and it works really well, and then the next several times you tell it, even if you tell it the exact same way, it's not working. It could be very confusing because you're like, well, why did it work that one time before? What was it that made it work? And sometimes it can be the way you look, something you do, or sometimes it just hits people in the right way that night to where it just was something in the moment. Well, I believe, you know, because coming from an actress point of view and improviser point of view and all this, but a lot of times your first take can be the best because you're saying it the most truthfully. You're, You're really saying it the way the inspiration comes out. Yeah. Whereas the 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 times you say it afterwards, you're recreating something. You're trying to do an impression of the thing that worked before. So, and I know that's the art of stand up is you're you're trying to make it truthful and yeah. real every time, but that first time you say it when it works, it's because it's coming out of you the most organically. Yeah, and I think that you have to get yourself in a place like there are comics that have done this for years and uh I think it's a a, a kind of a dying way to do comedy because of the internet, but you know, they're headliners and they'll get their act. They'll have an hour of comedy and they'll just do that every time. It's a great hour. It makes people laugh. It's hilarious. But now because we're there's a need for us to put all our content out on the Internet, it's like it's like the hour I just put out on Netflix. I don't feel like I mean, I think that is a great hour. I think it's very funny, I think. But if but if people watch my Netflix and then come see me live, they don't want that hour. They might want to hear some of those jokes, but they don't want that exact hour. They want to go, all right, what's next? And by the way, I do have a new hour uh, if you're coming to a show, uh, for the record. But the um, but that's what they're able to do that's so great that is kind of lost now, is that they're able to do that for you know 10 years or more, 
and tell it like it's the first time every time. Mm -hmm. And I think that is impressive in itself because sometimes I'll go uh, to a city and I'll do a show on a Thursday and I'll do this kind of off the cuff joke about the city or about something that just happened to me at the airport. Huge laugh. It's a lot of fun. We're all having a good time. And then on Friday I come in and I go, all right, I want to do that joke again. And sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's like, all right, uh, you know, especially if it's a frustration, because I may be coming in on Thursday hot off the frustration. But by Friday, I'm well rested. I feel good. And now the frustration's not real anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to recreate it. Yeah. Sometimes trying too hard is, oof. Yeah. That's the enemy of humor. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what I also try to do well is not try too hard. Yeah. I always talk about, you know, my old improv teacher, Greg Tavoris, but he he would say with improv, you know, he's like he's like he would tell us as a class, he go, you're all funny people. Don't try to be funny. Try to create an improv scene. Try to create a little world out here and then your funny will come out of it. And I think that is what I try to do with stand-up. But obviously with stand-up, it's important to be funny. With improv, you can enjoy a good scene of improv that's not necessarily hilarious. It can be entertaining. Personally, I don't need anybody to be funny, but I'd appreciate it if you'd be interesting. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, that's some, sometimes the frustrating thing about watching new stand-up comics is they come out with something that they think is really edgy. And they think by, by virtue of being edgy, it's going, it's going to be funny. So they say this wild thing, and then the audience doesn't really react. And then they go, oh, too real for you, huh? And it's like, well, don't insult us now because you've failed to be funny. It wasn't too real. You were, um, you know, it's just like, okay, you've said this wild thing. But as as people, for the most part, we've heard everything. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really all that shocking to us now. Unless you're, you know, if you're a, a, a pretty religious person and you don't go see a lot of comedy and you don't watch a lot of comedy and you go see uh, an open mic in your, your local city, uh, I'm sure you could be shocked by some things you hear. I'll tell you what. I, I'm shocked every time I go to an open mic. Oh. It is it is wild, degenerate, crass, and uncomfortable at those places. Oh, okay. Well, see, I can, I, I can agree that it's uh, wild, degenerate, crass, and uncomfortable, but I've also heard everything they're saying. Yeah. There's nothing that they're saying that I haven't heard. And that's why I say now it's like when George Carlin was saying his, what was it, seven words that you're not allowed to say on TV? uh, That was pretty wild. When Richard Pryor was saying the things he was saying, it was pretty wild because you weren't really allowed to say those things. Lenny Bruce. Lenny Bruce. But now you are allowed to say it and everybody's saying it everywhere all the time. So I think... Clean comedy, good, clean comedy is now that for our new generation. It's like now, can you be, it's like now everybody drifted into that area and they've shown that they can be funny saying those words. Now it's like, can you be funny without them? Mm-hmm. That's where I think we're at now. I, and I say that to people all the time. They, they think being clean is lame. And I'm like, well, maybe you're lame. 
when you try to be clean. But can you be clean, funny, and not be lame? You got to start thinking clean. Yeah. If you're going to do clean comedy, I think. Yeah, and also think creatively. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, for me, I don't always think clean, right? I don't know. Well, I don't know. Just in general. I mean, I have, I got weed jokes I'm doing. I got, you know, this and that. I'm not, I got a joke about a lady coming up to me on the street saying, I don't want to have sex with you. These are not necessarily clean things. You know, all these jokes. This is upsetting. I'll talk to you about this later. (laughs) You know, all these jokes. I don't know about all this. And uh, you know that joke in particular because it got rejected by the Tonight Show. Okay. And you said, I love that joke. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) And, uh, uh, but, um, but, but it's like, can you take this thing and, and, and then deliver it in a clean way? Yeah. If it feels like you really want to put an F bomb exclamation at the end of your bit. Yeah. Can it still be funny if you don't put the F bomb? I know that sounds like Jerry Seinfeld, but it's actually a great exercise in creativity to think, can I do this without relying on the swear words and the cuss yeah. words? Can I make this more palatable to a general audience? Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's like, I don't know, I forgot what I was going to say, but... Uh, Listen, I am looking forward to your library tour of seminars across America, because I've always said that you think simply and see clearly. Yeah, I mean, I'm into it, right? I mean, I uh, had someone come up to me in Dayton, and he said, thank you for your art, and I was like, all right, well, this guy gets it. This is what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> because it is art. And when people say things like, uh, they go on the internet and they comment on things and they go, not funny or whatever, it's like, all right, you've had the least creative response to very creative material, which says you're not intelligent. And I hate to say it about people, but it just says you're not that smart and it's okay. But let's be fair, you know, because I listen back to our podcast because I find clips for us. Um, And we've had some hot takes about various artists that we don't like, whether it be certain popular country musicians that we have said we don't care for what they're doing. And, you know, we're pretty bold in our antagonism towards them. So I think that it it is fair and okay and just to accept that something is popular, but not for you. That's fine. That is fine. Uh, that is fair. So they can have the opinion, this isn't funny, because it's not funny to I, them. I'm not arguing that they can't have the opinion, but they don't need to come onto my page. I don't go onto Hardy's page and say, this is not country. And I've never... Dang, shots fired. And No. And I don't know that I even say that Hardy's music is not good. Um, but I just don't care for this kind of era of country. Now, we were watching a bunch of Hank Williams Jr. videos yesterday. Oh, yeah. And this video that we saw was probably from the 80s, and it was Hank Jr. saying, we are young country. And it blew my mind to think about that there was a time when Hank Jr. was young country. Uh, Because I've been listening to him my whole life. He's the standard for country music for me. So to hear Hank Jr. saying, we are young country, and you see two old guys watching TV going, I don't know what this is, but it ain't country. 
I mean, maybe I'm that old guy now mm-hmm. and I'm fine. I accept it. But I think what Hardy is doing and so many people like him are doing, it's just not country music. And this is why I say it. There's no fiddle in there. There's no steel guitar. It's just, it, it doesn't even have a country sound. Now, when you hear Hardy talk, I'm like, yeah, for sure this guy's country. But nothing about it says country music. Now, is it bad? Uh, that's not for me to decide. But That's generous. You know, but... Um, you know what I mean? I'm not, and I'm not even trying to come at him necessarily. I just, it's just not country music to me. It was like when people was making that, uh, like Lil Nas X, when he came out with, um, yeah, what was that song? I know he did a devil thing, but then the thing before that was what kind of made him famous. Yeah. Not the devil thing. The uh, (laughs) old town, old Old town road. Yeah. Right. People were like, I guess they were, he was charting in country music and then they took him off because they said it wasn't country. And I had people asking me, do I think it's country? And I'm like, well, no, I don't think it's country. But if you're going to say he's not country, well, you got to say a lot of this other stuff is not country too. Mm -hmm. That's my point. You know, like I don't believe Lil Nas X Old Town Road is country music. But I do believe it is very much in the same vein as a lot of current country music. Do you know what I'm saying? I I do. I do. I just think that I try to be really open minded um, because I know that if I get criticized for something I put out, because, you know, I put out Instagram reels, that's my art right now. And, um, you know, people criticize me. And and at first I can be very upset about it, but sometimes they make points. And then so uh, conversely, when I'm watching other people's stuff, I'll think in my head, this isn't funny. Why are so many people saying this is funny? I don't comment on it, but... I think that the thing with art is, and we'll just say art generally speaking, like this, it should be entertaining and do the things that you traditionally think art needs to do. But a lot of times nowadays, and I think probably always, it does need to be a little bit polarizing because if, sure. if, if you don't have haters, I don't think you're really doing anything. Well, sure. But this is what I'll say. Maybe it's not fair that music gets divided into genres, right? Like maybe it's not fair. Like with with comedy, I would say we don't really have comedy genres. You can say this is blue collar comedy. This is clean comedy. This is not clean comedy. But I don't really feel like we get divided into genres, right? So... What I'm saying is criticism is fine. If people say I fidget too much, if they say I wave too much, or I say we're having a good time too much, those are all fair criticisms. And I can agree with you. I do probably do those things too much, but I'm okay doing them too much. But the criticism is fair. But when you just say not funny, well, that's not a good criticism. You're just trying to come at me in the least creative way possible. I can at least tell you why I don't think Hardy's music is country. Um, But is it fair to Hardy that he has to fit into a box of this genre? But I also in the same at the same time, if we're going to have genres, if we're going to say there is a country music, there is a rap music, there is a R&B, there is a rock. Well, then there should be some parameter 
that makes that music that. Well, come to think of it, maybe Hardy doesn't like being pigeonholed in country either. Maybe he feels like he's doing something uh, uh, more elevated than just that fits into this country niche. I'm sure he does. And maybe it's not even his fault. Maybe he's yeah. like, I don't necessarily want to be played on country radio, but I'll take what I can get. Yeah, I want to be played. I yeah. want people to listen. And if that happens to be people that, for the most part, listen to country. That's fair. And I will be honest. I've listened to a lot of Hardy because I want to see what people are seeing. And maybe if I were in my 20s right now, uh, I would like it more because he talks a lot about drinking and, uh, uh, you know, being drunk. Yeah. But uh, and so in my 20s, maybe I would love it. I don't think so. But I'm just too old school at heart. I think I like I like a lot of old comedy. I like a lot of old like when people ask me who are my current favorites of comedians. I can't even really think of a lot. You know, it's like my friends are my favorites. I mean, they're the people that make me laugh. My my comedian contemporaries that I watch. I mean, those are the, the people that open for me. They make me laugh. Um, you know, I mean. Random uh, TikTokers that aren't even stand-ups. I mean, I, there's a bunch of people on there that I like. That yeah. I just crack me up. And I, I don't even know a lot of their names, but they really make me laugh. Like I'm with Will O'Donnell this past weekend in Dayton, Ohio. Ohio at the Funny Bone. We had two great shows, two basically sold out shows, which in Dayton, I've had a lot of trouble selling tickets in the past. So the fact that I basically sold out two shows now, I say basically because I sold out one and the second was very close, um, felt good. It, it felt good to to sell that many tickets. Uh, that's a side note. I had a great time in Dayton. I always love being there. I was going to be there Friday and Saturday. This is a real tangent. I was going to be in Dayton Friday and Saturday, but I got offered to do the Tonight Show, and the only date they gave me was on a Friday. And I love the people at The Tonight Show. The Booker Michael Cox and Jimmy Fallon are always very nice to me, as is the rest of the staff that works at The Tonight Show. So I don't say no to them when they give me a date. So I'm sorry to the people in Dayton who had Friday tickets but couldn't make it on Saturday. But that's all a side tangent. I had a great time in Dayton. But I'm there with with Will O'Donnell on Saturday, and Will O'Donnell – likes to make a rural king joke, a rural king I'm not even familiar with, but apparently it's some store that is a lot like a tractor supply, but but like a tractor supply and a bass pro shop combined. Like they probably sell chickens and guns. Um, and so he was like, Ohio has a lot of rural kings. So he's like, I'm going to make this rural king joke. And it didn't go great on the first show. And then he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm destined to make it work. So he's trying to make it work. And now that I'm saying this, uh, I don't even know if it was the rural king joke that made me laugh, but, um, it, it, it makes me laugh when my comedian friends who I know are funny, are trying to work on a bit, and that bit is not working. That really makes me laugh. And when he was um, he was trying to make another joke, and he, he said something about Mississippi, and he goes, I've always said that more states should try to be like Mississippi. And it just made me laugh. The audience didn't seem to get it. They didn't laugh, but I was cracking up. And uh, Will called me out for laughing at his joke. And... That stuff makes me laugh. 
I love when my friend, I don't want to see my friends bomb, but I love when my friends bomb a joke. Mm -hmm. It really makes me laugh. Mm. You know, that's where I'm at with comedy now. Now you did the Tonight Show. How many times have you done it? I've done the Tonight Show four times now. I've had a couple of people reach out to me or I'll see their posts and they'll go, it's his third time doing the Tonight Show. Even Michael Cox that booked me goes, this is your third time doing it, right? Uh, everybody thinks it was my third time. I've done it four times. And I feel weird correcting people. Like that feels like the most pretentious you can get where they're like, it's your third time doing it. I'm like, actually, it's my fourth time doing it. Uh, and that, and and I've been correcting people on. I've been doing a lot of radio calls, nonstop radio calls. And I and and the guy who books me on all this radio is fantastic. He bo- he's able to book me on uh, shows all across the country nonstop. This is what I've been doing. Just so you know. Uh, to push the Netflix. And I've done this various time to push various things. My manager has a really great radio guy and he lines up radio. So I'll wake up 6 a.m., have a little coffee, and then I get my phone and I have a list of radio stations. And I'll call a radio station. I'll go, hey, it's Dusty Slay. And they go, all right. And then we talk for 15 minutes. 10 to 15 minutes. And almost the moment I hang up with that phone call, I call another radio station. And I will call radio stations every 15 minutes for three to four hours. And I'll just say, and sometimes we'll be done in seven minutes and I'll have a little break. And sometimes they'll schedule me a little 20, 30 minute break in there. But for the most part, I'll talk for four hours straight and it uh, it gets wild and he's got a little bit of old info on me and he, um, will tell some of my old press says that I was the youngest comedian to ever perform at the Grand Old Opry. And at the time I was, but now Aaron Weber has done it and Aaron Weber is younger than me. And then they'll say, but you've done it dozens of times. And I'm like, actually, I've done it over 30 times now. And it feels weird to say, but I'm also like, if we're going to Give me shout out on the amount of times I've done it. I want you to have the correct info. I've done it over 30 times and it feels good, but it feels weird to correct people on it. You know, mm-hmm. you just have to be unashamed about it and say, no, this is my work. This is what I'm doing. I'm proud yeah. of it. This is what I've done. But but honestly, it's like when I used to run an open mic at Big Gun Burger in Charleston, South Carolina, me and my friends, Vince Fabra, Evan Burke, Jason Gross, Tim Heckle, we would sit around and talk about, you know, if we ever got a late night, what fi- what of our current material would we do? What five minutes would we do? And we would say it to each other as if this was never going to happen. Like we would go, if, what if, what if? And, um, and so now, I mean, I've done five late nights and a Comedy Central and now two things on Netflix. And I'm like... It feels good. I'm like, in it, 10 years ago, these were all ifs, and now they've happened. So I want, you know, I want some accurate counts out here. You're doing so good. I'm so proud of you. And it's so cool that for anybody that's a comic or any kind of artist that's not living in those big cities like LA and New York, and they're like, can I make this work? Yes, you can. This boy, this man, my husband, Dusty, he ain't never left the South. He ain't leaving the South, but he's still getting all these cool things. It is true. And it is true. It it is fun to like, you know, like be 
you know, feel like I'm friends with the booker of the Tonight Show. I mean, it's like to just even even fathom that in my mind 10 years ago, uh, even less time than that, um, is unbelievable. Uh, I just, I can't believe it. This God, God's doing a lot. God's I, doing all. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, there's no question. Um, and you know what? I mean, it's, uh, that's my failing that I don't, um, uh, make that more top of the list when I talk about these things, but it for sure is God opening these doors for me, giving me these things, giving me these talents, giving me the ability to, uh, to, um, you know, just speak the way that I'm able to speak, write the jokes I'm able to write. It's Inspiration like, in it's general. like a, a joke that I did on the tonight show, uh, the daylight savings time joke. Of course, I worked on the joke over and over again throughout a couple of years at shows, but the, the, the major parts of the joke came to me when I was washing dishes and that doesn't happen a lot. Maybe I should wash dishes a little more often. But I was just down there washing dishes, and I thought of this joke, and I sat down and I wrote it down, and then I started doing it. And I, I was like, this is a topical joke, because at the time they were talking about changing, getting rid of daylight savings time. So it was a topical joke. And I was like, I'm just going to do this joke and, and, then, uh, and then put it out on the internet. But now it, it, it has made it to the Tonight Show, and it's like, uh, you know, there is a, a big chance that that my life could have diverted and gone a different way many times. It's like I, I joke about selling pesticides. I always joke about it. But to be fair, it's it's a good company. I make fun of them all the time, but it's a good company, and I very well could have decided to quit drinking. And instead of quitting the job after quitting drinking, I could have gotten serious about the job, really took it seriously, made it my life. A big part of the problem with me with that job is I was always moonlighting as a comedian. So I was like, I was in a rush to get home so that I could get on stage somewhere or host trivia somewhere or do this and that. But, you know, had I devoted more of my time and life to the company, I could have worked my way up. Who knows? I could be very high up in the company right now and, you know, could be making a living doing that. So my life could have gone different ways many times, but God had a different plan for me. Uh, and, and you're absolutely right about that, Hannah. How do you listen for God? How do you listen to God's um, direction for you or will for you? Well, I don't know, but I think that, you know, oftentimes, and I've said this before, but it's like, I don't like to set goals, right? It's like, now I've done this Netflix special and this is the, you know, to me, at least many people could say different things, but to me, this is like the highest accolade that you could get as a comedian. I mean, this is when I was growing up in the nineties, it was the HBO special. And it's like, now I remember watching Chris Rock's HBO special and, and, and just being blown away by it. And I'm like, now the Netflix special is the HBO special. So that's that's the highest accolade that you can get. And I'm like, people will, they haven't said it to me too much, uh, but I, I do hear this. They'll go, well, what's next? You know, what's next now? And I'm like, how could I even think about what's next? I've just, as far as I'm concerned, I've just achieved the highest goal. So how could I even think about what's next? But I often think, I don't really set goals and I don't have um, things I'm looking to do. 
I just feel like if I work hard, if I pray, if I read my Bible, if I stay in touch with God, that God will guide me. And, you know, I I feel like I've been blessed that even when I'm not necessarily doing the work that I think I'm supposed to be doing, God is still guiding me, mm. protecting me. And I'm always giving reverence to God. People make fun of me, especially on the Nate Land podcast about calling things pagan and saying this is the devil. And they go, oh, you're like uh, Bobby Boucher's mom and the water boy. Everything's the devil. And it's like, well, honestly, a lot of this stuff is the devil out here. And it's like, I like to give reverence to God. I don't, I don't give um, uh, evolution credit for creating uh, this wonderful earth and these wonderful animals and trees and waters that we all get to experience this beautiful earth that I do believe we should take care of and not pollute and not destroy everything. But I give God all the credit for those things as opposed to time. I feel like when we're... We go, oh, uh, this, I was just trying to watch a National Geographic thing the other day about uh, crocodiles and hippos, and I'm just watching it, and they have to break into this whole thing of how the hippo has evolved over time, rather than just being like, hey, this is a magnificent beast that was created by God, Um And people feel like they're selling science short if they give God the credit. But I'm like, we're selling God short if we give time the credit. Mm. Because evolution is essentially just saying time happened, uh, which I don't believe. But I think it's important that we always give God reverence. um, And I think God God notices when we do that. Um, Well, I agree with that. And I I also feel like for me personally— Believing in God and having a spiritual life and a connection to a higher power is um, such a relief because if you're able to surrender to the fact that you aren't in control, then all of a sudden you realize, well, what do I do then? And for me, it's just like, well, just go with the flow of life, go with what's handed to you every day, not just go with it, but seek God throughout it. And you don't, sometimes I don't even know if, if I'm listening to God or if God's doing something, but then in retrospect, I'll be like, that was God, the way all that worked out, you know? So it's like, it's such a relief to know you don't have to, as we talked about earlier, trying so hard in comedy. I believe, I believe you don't have to try so hard in life if you know that, well, you're not the one really pulling the strings. I mean, you do need to do your part. Don't just sit on the couch and watch movies all day. But, right, but there's work some, hard when you're given an opportunity. Right, right. Do what you are set about to do. And there's times where working hard is certainly a part of that. But you can feel that ebb and flow where it's time to push. It's time to rest. It's time to be grateful. It's, you know, I don't even know if it's ever time to complain, but Lord knows I do it a lot anyway. You know, like, it's like when I know it's like, I can't do something about a situation, let it go, give it to God. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and uh, it's like, um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I had, I had a point again. No, 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 no. You, I want, I wanted you to say that. Word economy, Hannah. No, I wanted you to say that because that was great. Um, but yeah, it's like, um, you know, it's, it's, I just think it's so important to give reverence to God and not, not just think 
that you're being ridiculous if you notice something and you go, this doesn't seem godly. And, it, you know, it's like people make fun of me about Harry Potter, right? But if you look at animated shows and TV shows, it's like they're, 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 they are going trending more and more satanic. Someone sent me, uh, you know, a clip the other day. Uh, of some cartoon that's coming out and it seems like the one of the worst kind of satanic shows uh and it looks like it's framed as a children's show and it's like that doesn't happen we don't go from you know the simpsons to this satanic show maybe the simpsons is a bad example because it's been around forever but we don't go from bobby's world to a satanic show but you slowly go along the way you let little things slip in here and there until it's like i remember uh they're talking about i think it was the ed sullivan show ed sullivan apparently said he would never have elvis on his show because elvis swung his hips and that was too sexual right so imagine our society then saying elvis was too sexual and i get it he is very sexual but to where we're at now in society i mean look at how sexual it is now it's like but had we not allowed things to go that way you know inch by inch it got more and more sexual to where we don't even notice the old example being the frog in the pot of boiling water if you boil it slowly it doesn't notice mm -hmm. do you know what i mean yeah, I think you do a good job at checking yourself before you put something out, you know, too, or write a joke about something like, is this is funny, but is this what I want to put out? Is this something that is, I mean, this sounds a little pretentious, but is this something that's going to glorify God? Not that all of your jokes glorify God, but is, like I read somewhere that God's credit is infinite, but his name is assailable. Meaning was, that, that last word was too big. Assailable. Too you big can, for me. You can ass assail it. You mean you can hurt it. You can oh, hurt yes. his name. So he'll always forgive you. But if you're doing something out there that is a, is disgraceful to him and you're calling yourself a Christian or you're doing something, heaven forbid, in the name of God, you're hurting his name and you're hurting his name on behalf of other Christians and you're hurting um, you just the Holy Spirit in general. Well, and that happens all the time. I mean, so many people are, you know, will refuse to be Christian or refuse, uh, you know, Jesus because, you know, they know so-called Christian people in their lives that are not living that way or have done awful things. There are plenty of people who claim to be Christians that do awful things. And I'm one of them. You know, I'm not perfect. Well, I've, yeah, I'm not saying all... I'm doing awful things presently. Yeah, I would think when I say awful, I mean much worse than anything that you've ever done. I know, but you know, we're all flawed. And we're all imperfect. Yes. And just because well, I identify as a Christian and tell people I'm a Christian, don't hold my behavior to be the standard, even if I'm telling you I'm a Christian, because I'm not always doing something that's glorifying God. And I know that's true, both, both right. publicly and personally. Absolutely. And, you know, this is something that I wanted to say, too, that um, when you said that, you know, that we're out of control of our lives, that our lives are out of our control. I agree. And it's like, um, but also we're not insignificant. That's another thing that, you know, big bang evolution theory loves to put on people. They, they, they love to pull out and they look at the universe and they go, this universe is so big and so expansive that my life 
is so insignificant compared to the vastness of the universe. And it's like, but you're not insignificant. God is the, regardless of how you believe the universe, cosmos, earth is all shaped up, uh, you're not insignificant to God. God created it all. And whether you're Christian or not, God, you're not insignificant to God. He's there and he's just waiting uh, for you to embrace him. Right. And it's like the moment you do, he's there for you. And he he's probably there for you anyway. But it's like, uh, you know, it's like we're not insignificant. We all have value. Everybody has value. I've gotten, you know, I don't get a lot of them, but I've gotten some very nasty, you know, messages from people over the years. Um, And one recently I got was, you know, just they were just really coming at me so hard. And in their message, and I'm not trying to paint myself in any kind of way, because I, am like uh, king of trolling people on the internet. I mean, when people come at me in the comments, it's one of my favorite things to fire back out at them. And I don't know if I should be doing it or not, but it's one of my favorite things. Maybe it's coming from some place of insecurity where I'm like, well, you're not going to come at me like that and expect me not to come back at you. But this particular person did it in a private message and their message was so nasty to me. And they also confessed that they had lost a lot of family members recently. And they were like, I was trying to come to your stand-up special to get cheered up, and boy, was I wrong. And 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 I just was like, this person is being so nasty to me that it's clear they're really going through something. So I was like, I can't, I can't troll them back. I feel bad for them. So I just wrote a nice message. And I'm not trying to tell you that I'm some great person writing nice messages out here because you can see publicly I'm coming at people all the time. But uh, I don't know, something just struck me differently about this one. So I just wrote them a nice message. And a couple of days later, they wrote me back and they were like, I'm sorry I wrote that to you. And I just think, you know, we got to remember that, um, you know, people are going through things. And this is what I said to Hannah. It's like, and then apparently uh, a lot of people wrote nasty stuff on the uh, about me on the tonight, my latest tonight show thing. But I don't even read those comments because that's not my page. So I'm like, this is the tonight show fans. This is not necessarily Dusty Slay people. But um, uh, I, I had said to Hannah about the Oliver Anthony song, a song that you know, really swept the, the, the nation by storm, but it's basically disappeared at this point. I'm sure he's still doing well, but it's, it's basically disappeared. I, I know it's disappeared from, from my, uh, radar. Yes. But I, I, I do remember listening to that song and it just changing me because I, I was on TikTok and I was just watching as people of different races and different classes were all sharing that song and showing the impact that it had on them. And it just made me think about how much people are going through stuff. Everybody's going through something and we don't all know what it is. We don't know what everybody's going through out here. And... Uh, so it's like, you know, I just try to, I just try to have that perspective now when I'm looking at people, because I'm like, you know, people will say things, but they're, you know, a lot of times they're not really mad at you. They're, you know, you know, they're mad at themselves, their own life choices and this and that. And it's like, 
I don't know. I just try to take that into consideration now. There's a lot of suffering out here. So much so, you know, and I got some nice, uh, I got some nice letters to my post office box from people. Uh, uh, let's see. I'm just going to, I got, I got one from Will and Becca Stokes, one from, uh, Mike Sellers. Um, you know, they sent me some nice things. The Stokes family is from, uh, from, uh, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. They had come to a show. They sent me a nice card and I don't do enough shout outs of these things, but, uh, I got one here from, uh, Danielle Dobbs. They sent me a, a fun kind of, uh, couples photo. there, wearing a couple of dusty sleigh NASCAR t-shirts. I don't do enough shout outs to people that send me these things, but I do appreciate it. And I also got uh, a nice package from Sunday Cool. Also, the podcast is called Ninjas Are Butterflies. Uh, I don't know. You, you, We may put out a video, but Hannah's wearing one of their shirts right now. They do a bit of a conspiracy podcast, but also kind of a fun conspiracy podcast. The podcast is, it looks like it's JFK, but it looks like a, a JFK maybe like uh, in some kind of Star Wars theme. Well, it says Avenge Me. It says Avenge Me, but it just looks like it's some kind of Star Wars theme. Uh, but yeah, it seems fun. Uh, so I just want to, you know, give a shout out to to people. Mike Sellers wrote a nice note. Um, but uh, yeah, I appreciate all the people that send me things. I, people give me hats uh, at shows. I got a, a, a nice hat in Dayton, Ohio. People in Dayton were great. They came out. I mean, people in Ohio always come out. There's always a lot of Nate Land fans that come out in Ohio. And a lot of friends that, you know, people will come over and over to see me again uh, when I come there. And I appreciate it. I do hate that that show had to get cut back to just one night. But uh, it was also one, one hour. Uh, no, no, not. I mean, the Dayton shows. Oh, oh, excuse me. That's all right. Yeah, the Nate Land. Yeah, there are some changes to Nate Land, which I don't think people are very happy about. But um, I just been reading comments. But we, it is, um, and I don't know. I don't have anything to do with any decisions being made. Uh, uh, it's Nate's podcast, and I am just thankful that Nate has allowed me to be a part of it. So. If Nate says to me, hey, we're going to be doing 15-minute podcast, I'll go, okay, no problem. If he says we're going to start doing four-hour podcast, I may have to go. I don't know if I can do that. But <laughs> uh, but it is, you know, and I think, you know, maybe I am a part of that. I mean, my schedule has gotten a lot busier lately uh, and, uh, you know, and everybody else's is getting busy. So I think they're just trying to find a way that, you know, because Nate doesn't live close to me. We live in Nashville. We both live in Nashville, but he lives on a way different side of town than me. Uh, so life is good. Uh, I wanted to do a bit of a Western sizzling thing. I will do uh, that next week. I have a I have a lot of Western sizzling stuff I want to talk about. Mainly, I want to defend Western sizzling. I mean, uh, I even put out a clip uh, with Nate Land about how people are not eating the green beans in there. And apparently all these green bean people are coming out of the woodworks to act like they've been going to Western Sizzling all these years just for the green beans. And uh, and I want I want to do a longer thing. I don't want to I don't want to do it uh, in short form here. So I'll save it for next week. I do want to talk about this, though. Uh, and Hannah, Hannah will, will get in on this with me. But we got a new door. We bought a new door. 
since we moved into our house, we've had, you know, we've had an aluminum door. The door hung a little bit and you almost had to lift it to get it into uh, the, the spots where you could lock the door. And then I put some shims in the other side so that it matched it up better with the door. But and then we had some cracks where you could feel the cool air coming in. So I went out and I spent a little money. It was uh, not cheap to get a new door, but we bought a nice solid wood door with a new frame all together so that it, it closes great. You don't have to pull the door real tight in order to lock it. It's all very smooth and it's a beautiful door. It took three months to get, over three months to get. And then as they started scheduling things for us, the snow, snowstorm of the century came to Nashville. So they kept having to reschedule because the weather was bad. So it really drug out. And finally, yesterday they came. And, and I always say this about Hannah, and maybe it's not fair to say, but Hannah will let something get complete rather than looking at steps along the way. She'll let it get complete before she confesses her criticisms or complaints about it. So then I'm at a place where there's nothing I can do about it. Once it's complete, there's nothing I can do. So yesterday, while the door was being installed, I kept asking Hannah, I'd be like, oh, come check this out. Come check this out. And she'll go, I can't just drop everything I'm doing to come look every time you want me to look at it. And I go, just take part in the joy of the of this new thing we've got with me. And she got so mad at me that it made it seem like my requests were so ridiculous. And now I'm going to give Hannah an opportunity to respond. First of all, you told that story absolutely incorrectly. <laughs> As the door was being put on over the course of five hours, you would say, hey, go check out that door. So I'd go uh, and check out that door. And I say, Oh my gosh, Jesse, it's beautiful. This is a bit of an And then I would yeah. carry on with my life. <laughs> and then 20 minutes later, hey, did you see that door? Go look at it. I just looked at it. No, but it, it's, they got the glass up now. Okay. All right. So I go look at the door. Oh my gosh, Dusty. It looks so good. I was never getting these responses. I'll and say. then I go on with my life. And this proceeds, dear listener, for five hours. Nothing is ever good enough in terms of my gratitude it's not gratitude for it's not door. gratitude it's not gratitude i'm not looking for gratitude i'm just looking you know hey we're getting a new thing on the house i'm just looking for us to have some collective joy here that's all but i for. express my joy with word economy and then yeah you do yeah you do that's when you bring in the word economy <laughs> and then and then but I will say, in the end, at, we had a little fight about the door, and then we, we made a very small fight, and then we made up. I'm holding the baby, and Hannah goes and looks at the door, and she comes in and does the funniest, over-the-top reaction to the whole thing. So funny, in fact, that our seven-month-old son is cracking up. Me and him both are just cracking up as Hannah is groveling on the floor. You were sitting in a chair just like you were there <laughs> right now, sitting in a chair like and you are now, was, holding our baby. I'll <laughs> dust the, the, the door so beautiful. Let me kiss your feet. And I took off his socks and I started kissing his feet. I'm serious. It's, I was kissing his feet. I know. It was over the top. Oh, how could you do this for me? It's so beautiful. Look at the light of that door. 
doors coming in. What did I do to deserve such a husband and give me such a beautiful doll? Praise God. I don't deserve this. You tell me when I can lift my face up to look at you because you're just too good for me. Your husband, you're honoring me with your presence. You're such a good man. Oh, praise God for the doll. Praise God for the doll. The and doll. I was like, finally, a little gratitude around here. And then I went and cooked dinner. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the door is great. And we are very thankful that we have it. It's okay. It is. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now it's a good door. We are thankful for it. And I, and Hannah even told me this morning, she said, normally I sit on this side of the table so I can look out the back door at the birds. But today I'm sitting on the other side so I can look at the door. And what did you say? Yeah, but Sam's not looking I at said, the door. I said, it's too bad that our son is not able to see the door too. As sarcastic as you could possibly get. And Hannah goes, nothing's ever good enough. And it's just like our 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 daughter doesn't get our sarcasm. Yeah. And she must think we're fighting all the time because we're just, we're having some fun. Yeah, I actually here. said, Daisy, daddy loves the door more than he loves us. And, and I, I was like, that's too far. She's she like, not going to get that. Yeah, I was like, don't let, dude, that is not I true. I was like, I'll tell you what though, she's going to be hip with sarcasm because I, I'm way more sarcastic than you, and I'm constantly sarcastic bombs around this house. And Daisy's like, what's wrong with mom? Does she hate us? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, she doesn't. I, yesterday, Hannah got a little sarcastic with Daisy, and Daisy started crying. And, uh, <laughs> oh, no, she in the car. She didn't start crying. She got she got her lip. You remember in the car yesterday you did something? Right, but why did I say that to her? Because she was calling me Hannah oh, instead yeah. of mom. But you but yeah, I'm not listen, I'm not saying you were wrong. I'm saying you were just being funny with her because she always she loves to call you Hannah. And you were like, I, you know, you were just like, my name is mom. I'm not Hannah. And then I look back and her poor little lip was so pouty. <laughs> and we were, yeah, I'm just. Listen, I'm not like coming at a two-year-old, but to be fair, me and Daisy have had that joke about her calling me Hannah and me saying, I'm your mummy, call me mummy. And we've been joking like this for yes. several months. And then all of a sudden, because she didn't get a nap, she's deciding to take offense to it. It's like, dude, this is art, Daisy. This is my art, okay, girl? You got to get with a child. All right, speaking of art, I want to say two more things, and then we got to wrap it up. Uh, speaking of art, all right, since 2016, I've been wearing a hat on stage. Now, I have purposely, now I used to wear all black on stage all the time, black jeans, black shirt. I still do that for the most part, but I, when I did the Tonight Show the first time, they were like, we don't want you to wear black because our curtain's black and you'll kind of disappear into the blackness. So I wore a denim shirt. And then every time I do TV, I wear a denim shirt. And then I've been wearing denim shirts for TV things since then. So everybody thinks I wear denim all the time. But really, I like wearing a black shirt. So contrast to that, I was wearing a white trucker cap. I like a white old school trucker cap. That's what I love to wear. 2016, I started wearing the hat. It's 2024. I've been wearing the hat for eight years on stage. Eight years. Every time it's a white hat on stage. Sometimes at Zany's, I'll do a little spot and it won't be a white hat. But in my shows, every time for eight years, it's been a white hat. This time, fourth appearance on The Tonight Show, I wear a black hat. Do you know how many comments I got about it? Zero. No one seemed to notice that I had switched to a black hat. And 
I felt like I was building a brand and I've never been so shocked that no one noticed. Are you okay? I am okay. Are you no, okay? I, <laughs> Are you okay? No, I am okay, but I, I did want to say it. And then last thing, uh, two things, uh, last two things. This weekend, I'm in Huntsville, Alabama at Stand Up Live. I have five shows. It's really great. My niece is going to be coming to the Late Show on Friday, and that seems to be the show we've sold the least amount of tickets, and she's bringing some friends. So I need people to buy some tickets to that show so that my niece... Uh, is, it doesn't look bad for her friends. Uh, and then um, I, I just did a podcast called Are You Garbage? It's out on YouTube, and I assume everywhere else podcasts are available. And that podcast was really great. We had a lot of fun. Uh, and that's it. Go listen to it. Thank you very much. We're having a good time. Mm-hmm.